great to be with you, church. I love you guys. Uh, you've really got something special. Please look after it. I'm I mean, been in churches around the world for the last 25 years, and there's something in the atmosphere that I walk into every time I come. And I tell you what, you don't you don't get it for nothing. It comes at a price. Please don't lose it. Please don't lose it. It's, it's gorgeous, awesome. I walk into an open heaven every time I come here. But you've just messed me up, Pastor. Yeah, you love it, don't you? I'm not getting drunk. And I'm not going to cry. I do come with a word in my heart. But I just want to make sure you catch it. You don't learn from me. Who knows that? You don't learn things from me. You catch things from me. And... Um, I just want to remind you, and I'm sure I would have said this before, it's just part of who it's part of what I do when I get it and remind the church that they know who they are. You are the church. I said you are the church. You are the body of Christ. I can go home, I've got it. You are the body of Christ. Ephesians, the first chapter, makes, makes all that clear. You're the fullness of God that fills all in all. I mean, that's, that is so big, isn't it? It literally is so big. You're the body of Christ, the fullness of God that fills all in all. When you turn up, something happens. And that's not arrogance. It's what's inside of you. God's inside of you. Blows me out. God's inside this farm boy. They can take me off the farm. So put me in front of thousands of people and I can actually talk to them. And it actually somehow rather it makes sense. That can only be God, I can tell you. I remember lying on the floor in my bedroom, I'm sure I said this. As a 19-year-old boy saying, Father, if you can remove the impediments out of my personality, I want to make a difference. Didn't know that he could take all those impediments out of me. I was so shy, Judy had to propose to me. <laughs> But I'm talking to the church. You're it. It's not a visiting prophet. I'm meant to be here to equip you to do the work of the ministry. You know, I'm kind of a bit, you know, I can do my bit, but the trouble is people see me do my bit and they want me to do it. I want you to do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Am I right? Yes. You're it. I think it's time we said that we're it and, be, and, and, and say it with, with, with a sense of pride and, and awesomeness. Because God is in us. 
Christ in you, the hope of a manifestation of God. <laughs> we can change the atmosphere. We can change the world. We don't have to have titles after a name or be even known. I love telling stories about Junior. She's um, not with me this time, but and he's doing a good job, but not as good as Judy. <laughs> he won't wipe my forehead for me. <laughs> he won't kiss me on the lips. Oh, on. <laughs> I'm trying to be funny. <laughs> he's a great man, I appreciate the guy. I hope if you visit, you, that is a, a weak sense of humour that I've just exercised. Please don't think he's running around. That I want him to kiss me. No, I don't. Let's get back to the word. Let's move on. How did I get out there? Because I looked at him. And he provokes me. So the, but the, the, the real deal about here is that we can have fun doing the serious business of the kingdom too, eh? Yeah. But the truth is Christ is in you. Yeah. And, and that's the part that I think that I dare say for me is just getting people to understand that, that all they need is God in them to do the job. We have this earthen, we have a treasure in an earthen vessel. I love some of the Old Testament stories. Japheth was a half, uh, was a was a son of a harlot. Not his fault that, he, that, that, that his half brother threw him out of home and that he was nothing. But the Bible says that he was clothed with the Holy Spirit of God. God clothed him, and he led Israel for forty years in peace. Gideon was a nobody. But God clothed him. And look what happened to him. All I know is God's clothed Fergus. And I know God's clothed you. And I know that if you know that you're clothed, then you'll have a go at stuff. You won't sit back and look at someone else having a go. You'll get up and have a go. It doesn't matter if it doesn't happen. You'll get up and do it again until it does happen. You'll get a birth in you. When it's birthed in you, you'll do it. I, God spoke to me one day and told me to pray for allergies. And I, I was so excited because I heard God say, for six months I prayed for allergies and not one person got healed. But it got birthed in me. Six months later, I prayed for someone that got totally healed and people have been getting healed ever since because it was birthed in me. I'm talking much because Christ's in you. Some things that we need to do because Christ's in us. And we've got to get this concept of bigness. Let me just, I better, better talk about what I'm really here to talk about. I want to talk about the fact that lost people matter. Would you say that please? Lost people matter to God, therefore they matter to me. Say that. Could I have some more attitude, please? Not enough attitude in that. 
Lost people matter to God, therefore they matter to me. I love the phrase, the unlimited church. I really like it. It has a certain ring to it, the unlimited church. And there's lots of reasons why I like talking about the unlimited church. Because God is unlimited. God is unlimited. The problem is that we end up with limitations. We're the ones that end up with limitations on us. How big is God? No limitations. All right. But do you know it? You know, the Old Testament is full of, of pictures or full of reference to how God forbids false images. That has a lot to do with us. There are images that limit God. I say, you and I have limit images that actually reduce God down. Then we wonder why we're not getting the fruit of it. God forbids false images in the Old Testament because they give us a false representation of who He is. False images give you a false representation of who God is. The parable of the talents. The guy that buried his talent was because he had a false image of God. Am I starting to get close to home? I wonder what we're not doing because we've got a false image of God. Hmm? We have images that that are that people are hard. How big's God? But we have this image that people are hard. Maybe we've got a false image. Maybe we're not representing God. I can go home now. I think I got the message through. We say they're hard. False representation. Lie from the devil. God's big. I wonder how many of us have a, a subconscious list of people who we think are too difficult to reach. That God would have no time for. I have a, an image of a church full of people that are extremely successful. This church is full of successful people. Why? Because God's had time for you. 
The reason that you're here is because God said time for you. Jesus had heaps of time for people that wouldn't consider to be, that we wouldn't have on our list. Am I right? The unreligious, the unconvinced, the spiritually confused, the morally bankrupt. That's a lot of us. But he's had time for us. I'm saying lost people matter to God, therefore they matter to me. I know why this church exists. It exists to reach lost people. You know what, Don? Luke 15 is a very... This message came out of a, a very clear picture to me a number of years ago. And uh, when I was asking the Lord, what do I share here? Because... I know you're a Holy Ghost church and I'm a Holy Ghost junkie. So I fit right into this church. This message came up. And it's birth, it was birthed at a, at a, at a very uh, interesting time in my ministry because I'd planted four churches. This is the fourth church I'd planted. And there wasn't enough people being saved in my church as far as I was concerned. And uh, I thought I can't ask the church to do something that I couldn't do myself. So I put myself on a plan, which I'll explain in a minute. And this message is birthed out of that. And uh, I, I only just got my, my plan all ready to present to the church and then God ripped me out of my church and asked me to go itinerate. And uh, having heard God very, very clearly, that I was going the road, I believe that God wants me to take that message with me around the world. I've been preaching this around the world. So please, get, I hope there's enough anointing on me today to convince you that, you're, that, that you are to reach lost people. Amen. And it's got to be, we've got to own this thing. You don't, you, again, it's, you can hear me preach it, but I want you to own it. And you don't have to be an evangelist to do the work of evangelist. And I said, you don't have to be an evangelist to do the work of the evangelist. My wife has never wanted to be a preacher's wife. <laughs> a lot of things she wouldn't, didn't want to be, but she's probably won more people to, to the Lord than more people than I know because she loves them. And she takes some cookies. Amen. Have one of her cookies, your days are numbered. <laughs> she gets into your house with her cookies, I'm telling you what. And... Uh, you know, first, I'm telling this story because I want you. To, I don't want you to start thinking about the evangelist. Yeah. Good. You're the church, yeah. the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm telling the story about Judy because Judy's just a, a real neat wife and mother and friend. And uh, she had used to have 20 kids in her home when we first got married with with our two young boys, and and they'd all come from up, up, up the streets around. She'd tell them a story, pray for them, and send them off to school. Most of it would spend most of the time on the floor. They didn't want to go to school because being under the power of God on the floor was the most exciting thing they could do. 
And so she, those, all those kids gave their heart to Jesus. I was in a church in North Island, New Zealand uh, a few years ago, and this little lady came up and gave me a kiss on the cheek and said, would you give, give that to Judy and thank her for leading me to Jesus when I was seven years old? I said, no, give me another one. I'll give her that, I'll give her that one. Because <laughs> she was pretty. <laughs> Too much information for your pastor. And she was about to marry a young pastor. She was one of the neighbors. She was coming down. I was with her. We're in Sydney Airport. These are, I love these stories because I just know who Judy is and, and I know that what I'm talking about works. And she was coming down the escalator and a young guy coming up the escalator. She saw her, she, he saw her, turned around and followed her and said, are you Judy McIntyre? She said, yes. He said, you used to smack me. <laughs> Them were the days. She'd go to jail now for that. But he, he was the neighbor on the other side. Yeah. Wow. And he was one of the kids that gave his heart to Jesus. And he'd come to Australia and uh, he'd said to God, as he was coming into Australia, I know Ferguson and Judy are in Australia. Well, I came from New Zealand originally. And uh, he said, I know Ferguson and Judy are in Australia. If, if I can find them, I'm going to come back to you. Wow. She met Judy. He met Judy on the, on the escalator on his way in. And that guy is a wonderful young fellow that's going for Jesus. His parents didn't like Christians, hated Christians. They bought a house next to us and built a fence between us, never asked me to pay any of it. They paid for it all. <laughs> they thought they, they didn't count on the anointing going between the cracks over top and underneath. <laughs> at that time, I had a logging business and I'd go off to work at the little country town, I'd go off to work at half past six in the morning and he'd go off to shear his sheep at half past six in the morning. She would be abusing him and I'd be, I'd be getting called all sweet nothings. It got too much for her one day. After about four years, we had they never, they'd never talked to her. They'd never lived there for four years, at least four years, never talked one word to us. This particular day, we had secular friends seeing us. She ran in. We didn't hear a knock on the door. She ran in the door, knocked on the door, and did it. Well, we didn't hear a knock, so she ran straight in. We think she ran straight in. And she said, I can't stand it anymore. When's church? That was the first words we ever heard from her. <laughs> she came to church that Sunday morning, got saved. Her husband came at night with his son, and they got saved. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about God being big. I'm not talking about people being hard. If ever people were hard, it was that couple. But when you're clothed with God... I said, you get clothed with God. I want everybody to stand right now, please. Leave me. This is, I'm just going to mess up this meeting right now. The pastor told me I could do it. Yep. We're going to clothe ourselves. But there's two things we're going to do to do it. In Revelation, I'm determined, I want you to catch the spirit of what I'm saying. I don't need any more meetings. I've been preaching for years. I don't, want, I don't need any more meetings unless God turns up. Yeah, Revelation 2 talks about returning to your first love. He said, if you don't return to your first love, I'll take away the candlestick. 
In other words, you're not going to get any more light till you live in the light you've got. What happens when we come to church for a long time? We, we get churched. We can hear the best sermons, but we listen with our head. We don't catch them with our heart. And so we just hear things and go home. And we can say that was a bad message or that was a good message, but we, it doesn't shift. It doesn't do anything inside of us. I want you to shut your eyes right now, every person, and go to the last place that you had an encounter with God. And when you're there, open your eyes and we'll go to the next phase. Go to where you've had an encounter with God. That's your revelation of God. Peace, love, can be all kinds of things, but it's a place of encounter. And then we're all going, because of time, I think we need to move on. I want everybody to put your hand over your, up over your head and like you're pulling on a garment. Say, so I clothe myself with the power of God. I clothe myself. Could we have more attitude, please? Now, listen, the reason I'm saying this is because most times we're listening with our head, but our spirit's got it it's shut down because our soul has closed it down. When you show attitude, it means it's like you, you put a spring in your spirit. You want your spirit to come. I want your spirit to come alive. So I close myself with the power of God. Yeah, I love it. That's the way you sing. That's why I get touched, because you sing with spirit. So I close myself with the power of God. One more time. I close. Father, right now, I thank you as I enter this message. Your anointing will cover this house. I speak into the atmosphere of this house. From now on, Father, when people come into this house, the burden of lost people will come on them. The burden of lost souls will come onto every person that moves into this building. I release your power. I release your power. Receive it. In Jesus' name. Okay, take your seats. If people matter to God, therefore they ought to matter to us. Who's with me on this one? And so the whole concept here, in Luke chapter 15, you see Jesus tells three stories. Normally he just tells one. But he was so upset about the way the Pharisees were talking about him, because they were, they were talking amongst themselves about how much time he spent what what they considered to be the wrong kind of people. And so he, over, he overheard them, pulled his disciples alongside and moved a little bit with, in, into, into hearing distance so that, that the Pharisees would hear him. And he began to tell three stories. And as ridiculous as they are, I'm sure they got the message. The first story he talked about was a, a shepherd who had 99 sheep. And he left one sheep, sorry, 99 sheep to go and find one. How silly is that? I'm a sheep farmer. You'd leave the one. You'd get it next time. 
Jesus didn't think like that. That one was so important, he left 99 to go and get the one. First lesson. That's the first lesson. God puts value on human life. I said, God puts value on human life. There's no eyes that you've ever looked into that doesn't mean something to God. Sometimes I think we need a packet of green stickers. And a oh, yes. <coughs> I'm getting messed up on the inside of me again. Good. You do that to me every time I come here. Lock him away next time I come if I'm allowed. That's if I'm allowed back. You're messing me up. People matter. Yeah, come on. They do. I mattered. How can I, how, I, how can I determine when someone's not good enough? Come on, who's with me? Yeah. So maybe we need some green stickers and yellow stickers. And we go around and just so we learn where, where values ought to be. The only thing that goes into eternity is people. I said, the only thing that goes into eternity is people. Maybe we need stickers to stick on that which is eternal. That which is temporal. And do it long enough. Until we're totally convinced that we're in the kingdom of such a time as this. To reach people and put value where God puts it. God so loved the world that he gave his son. What a price. What a price. He smashed his head and unrecognizable. That's Jesus for me. That's Jesus for you. The Pharisees never really could comprehend what God was going to do on the third day. But he did it for you. Come on, church. Church, sometimes I think we need to remove ourselves from church membership. If I can say this to the right, I'll explain myself in a minute. Remove ourselves from church membership and become kingdom citizens. Come on. We're all churched here. We know what's like. I love church. I, love, I would sit and listen to and be part of this worship all day. But we spend about maybe two hours in church once a week. You're born into the kingdom. The church might be two, about over 2,000 years old. The kingdom's been around forever. Is anyone, am I getting through? You're a kingdom citizen. He wants you to love the world. God said, love the world. Not certain people. God puts value on people. And so he goes to one sheep that he goes and gets, puts it on his shoulder. 
brings it home and has a party over one lost sheep being found. Celebration over one lost sheep. But he wasn't satisfied with just telling one story because he hated the attitude. That hypocritical attitude, self-righteous attitude. All right. You know, it's, it's, we can understand God who forgives people who come crawling, looking for mercy. To me, to me, that makes sense. But what we, what we have here is God going looking for them. I said, the difference is God goes looking for people. To forgive. Yeah. Mm. Here today, looking for you to forgive. Come on. That's what love does. It doesn't wait on people to find you. Looking for mercy, you go giving mercy. We need to put value where God puts value. I said, we need to put value where God puts value. Next person you look into, eyes you look into, they hold value before God. Oh, God. So Jesus told the second story after he made sure that we got the message of the first story. The sheep just wandered away. It just happened to wander away. In the second story in, in, in Luke 15, it's the parable of the 10 coins. A Palestinian woman received 10 silver coins as a wedding gift. And to me, that'd be like, that'd be like a tremendous sentimental value. I imagine it holds a tremendous sentimental value. She loses one of, one of them. I imagine it'd be as valuable as a wedding ring. All right, so to lose one would be extremely distressing. And I'm sure that she would have been extremely excited to have found it. And so that's what happens. Jesus becomes very grieves over one lost person, but rejoices over one found person. Please don't take it lightly when people are found. Spoil them silly. Love on them. But at the same time, we ought to grieve over lost people. Yeah. I remember God giving a burden for lost people. And that's why I didn't want to cry. Because I remember my pastor stood me up in conferences for four years in a row after God gave me this message. And, and God placed on me a, a spirit of intercession for lost people. And I'm going to pray that here today, that this church carries a spirit of intercession for lost people. All I did was stand in Paul for, for 40 minutes, have an altar call, and all these pastors would turn up because God cares about people. Yeah. Not about you. You're fine. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah. We exist for the kingdom of God. 
Your workplace is a place of worship. When the mechanic picks up his banner, that's his worship. When the woman picks up a pair of scissors, starts cutting around a cloth, that's her worship. It's where you do business with God. Right. Again, the coin, there was no fault of the woman that the coin got lost. It just got lost. With no fault of its own. And the end of the last, <laughs> I just think time goes fast when you're going slow, doesn't it? <laughs> Am I getting through though? I think I, I'm right now, I'm just, without me even trying, I, I remember my father's general manager who took time out for me. I'd turn up at his place at 11 o'clock at night. He'd talk to me for hours, taking up his own time. I loved that guy. I wished I'd seen him before he passed away. But he spent hours out, outside his own limitations for me to get me born again. I, I, I don't forget that. I have never forgotten that. And I'll do that for others too if I have to. In this last case, of course, it's, it's, the, it's the story of the, of the parable of the prodigal son. Unfortunately, some people have to go down to the bottom of the wire to get found. This, this poor guy couldn't, couldn't, hear, couldn't hear what was going on. But, this, but God's attitude in this is in verse 20 of the same Luke 15. And he rose and came to his father. This is the son. Come to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion and ran, fell on his neck and kissed him. This case was a case of absolute selfishness. Yeah. Who gets mad when people are selfish? Yeah. This case was a classic case. Give me my, give me my inheritance. Yeah. You know, the father knew that, that his son was going to have to go down to the wire. He gave his inheritance knowing that he would waste it. But, you know, every day he was at the top of the hill waiting on that son to come over Come over the hill. Every morning he'd be out there waiting that Sunday. He had an expectation that son was going to come home. I love what the Spirit of God told Judy one day when, when our oldest boy decided he had enough church. The Spirit of God said to Judy, you do the loving, I'll do the changing. I remember saying that to someone in this church the last time I was here. You do the loving, God will do the changing. It's about loving lost people. Oh man, I feel the burden of God on me today. Lost people matter. Say it, lost people matter. They matter to me. Because they matter to God. 
We've got to get a big God. We're not going to see people as hard anymore. I said, we're not going to see people as hard anymore. We're going to see them from God's perspective. There is an open heaven. It's only closed between the ears of some people. God doesn't know time like we know time. We just do the loving. All right. So this son left because of selfishness. And each one of these three parables, there was a different reason why the situation occurred. First, the sheep foolishly wandered away. The coin got lost through no fault of its own. And the son left because of selfishness. And in these three parables, Jesus answered his, crit his critics. And what God wants to do here today is turn the church around from navel-gazing. That's why I'm here today. This church is too big, too valuable to be caught navel-gazing about what's in it for us. I've discovered a long time ago, you look after others, you'll get looked after. Mm. we need to fully understand as a church that our role exists as a means of reaching the world and I've learned one thing and I can say this too out of my own experience and I, I really want to quickly tell you some two stories I've discovered for my own self that it's more than, it takes more than spiritual effort to reach lost people. I said it takes more than spiritual effort. It takes physical effort. It takes mental effort to return lost people back to God and to a relationship with God. It takes a lot of mental effort. It takes a lot of physical effort. It takes a lot of it takes spiritual effort. I want to tell you two stories that, that set this message up for me. But I pray today that, my God, that something happens in our church today that shifts us forever. Oh, I, love, I love nonsense, but I feel, the, I feel the, the love of God behind me today say this church has got an incredible future because of what's in it. The spirit, I love this house. But we've got a future. It's in lost people. We don't get anointed for nothing. I said, we don't get anointed for nothing. We're anointed for service. You're anointed for service, church. You're anointed to serve. Fred was a, a businessman that came to my church once a year. And uh, he came to, only reason he came to church because his mother wanted him to come to, wanted to come to church. So she'd come down from Queensland and he would bring him to my church. And one day I said to Fred, why don't you come to church more often? 
He said, when I come to church, my business goes backwards. That was the answer. And inside, I'm kind of laughing at his answer. But right there and then, I can tell you, God arrested me. He says, that's the trouble with you Christians. You assume you know the answer before you even talk to them. Yeah. I got arrested right there and then. And so I, I prayed for Fred for three months. That was work. Remember to pray. For, I prayed for Fred every day for three months. At the end of three months, I phoned him up. Said, "Fred, would you come out? For, I'd love to take you out for a meal." He thought a bit strange that I wanted to do it, but he he did. He would, his first marriage had blown up, and he was living with a a lady from Mauritius, and she'd been raised on voodooism, so she was preloaded with all kinds of stuff. She wouldn't come near me. She didn't like me. But I went out for a meal and I told Fred, I said, Fred, the real reason I'm here is because you told me that your business goes backwards when, when, when you come to church. I said, that's not the God I, I know. I want, I want you to give me three hours of your time. One hour a night over three nights. And I think I can show you from the scriptures that God wants to bless your business. Not pull it down. He thought it was a great idea. That yeah, was on me then, I'll tell you. So we went to his, I went to his house the first night. As I said, she locked herself in the bedroom. She wouldn't come out. She wouldn't come near me. We sat for an hour, and at the end of the hour, because I said I only wanted it for an hour, I stood up. He wouldn't let me leave. Went for two hours. I left that night, and he couldn't wait for the second week. It didn't, and, and, and the third week. Each time I went to leave the hour, he wouldn't let me go. I, I can't really honestly remember how long it went for. But he, he wasn't saved one day, phoned me up. He said, Fred, uh, Fergus, would you come and pray around my warehouse? My cash flow has slowed down. So I said, sure. So it was a Tuesday night. And we went over there. And I can't remember whether it was two or three times. I think it was twice. I, I know I'm safe to say it was twice. The phone went. And two people phoned up to say they put checks in the mail. Now, if you, if you run a business, no one ring, rings you up out of hours. Yeah. He got totally convinced that God was in that. Yeah. He had the biggest year in business he ever had. Wow. He gave his heart to the Lord. To cut a long story short, she got born again. Wow. Got set free from a whole lot of baggage that she was carrying because of voodooism. His kid to his first marriage got saved. Her friends got saved. Wow. And they're still serving God today in a wonderful, wonderful way. Yeah. I could only say, this, <laughs> if it wasn't for the blessing, it was inconvenient. Plenty of other things I could have been doing with my time. Yeah. I prayed for three, I prayed consistently for three months. But then I thought, well, I can't just go and tell the story to the church because that's only one story. I need to do it again. So who knows that rugby union is the only game played in heaven? I see a lot of British people think soccer is. I don't know what makes them believe that lie. But I'll probably get shot after this, but that's a joke, by the way. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not sure. So Carney was a New Zealand boy. And uh, the reason I met him was because his girlfriend, they lived together. Again, they were living together. And uh, 
she started coming to church and I, and I wanted to meet him. So through her, I met him. And guess what happened? I decided I, I did the same thing. I prayed for him three months and asked God to give me Carney's heart. At the end of three months, I phoned Carney up and I said, Carney, you know I'm a preacher. You know that. I, but I just want to have three hours personal time with you. One hour, three sessions. I'm sure I can convince you that God is, would bless your life, not do anything else but bless your life. Would you let me have a chance? He said, yeah, sure. So we went round there and they loved it. We did the same thing. because never went for one hour. went for two hours. After about six weeks, I was got busy and I didn't get back to him. I had to cancel one. I didn't get back. One day he phoned me up. He wasn't coming to church. He said, when are you going to finish these Bible studies? I said, next week. So I shifted my die around. And the last thing I said to him, why don't you invite some of your friends? At the end of that night, at that, 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 sorry, that, they turned up the next week. There were six of them. All with a six pack each. <laughs> so the Bible study consisted of them drinking six cans of beer each. It was on their territory. It wasn't my territory. It was their ground. I'm, I'm not going to tell them how to live on their territory. So they drank six cans of beer, told jokes. I didn't realize I'd forgotten how filthy jokes got. And I thought, oh, I've got to fix that up. I'll do it next week. <laughs> Some of those jokes were filthy. They watched rugby and I had about five minutes of Bible study on the end. That was the first night. Guess what? They're all back next week more in time for Bible study than my own church was. <laughs> all back with six pack each. They drank the six packs, told the jokes. Then I just stopped and said, hang on, guys. I hope you wouldn't say that in front of your girlfriends. But anyway, if you are going to, I'm out. And they said, no, 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 no. So the jokes did clean up. There's still some borderline. I had to laugh on the inside. <laughs> but I'm telling this story because I did, I did, I did the journey with these boys. Yeah. I love them. Sometimes they'd drink this beer and then they'd start saying, pray for us, Ferg. And literally the power of God would get on them. You wouldn't know whether the alcohol or the, or the power of God. <laughs> it was, it was mostly, mostly, mostly power of God. By the end of that year, none of them were drinking beer. I never told them to stop drinking beer. I never told them to ration. I never, told, I never, never gave them any instruction about that. I said, God, these are your kids. You talk to them about it. There was only one that didn't clean up. And he, but then I was there in New Zealand a year later and I met him and his wife in a church and he'd given his heart to the Lord and he's going to church. Those, those six guys all got born again and saved. Wow. Carney, I met him in the airport just real, not that long ago and he's off to go back to New Zealand to bury his mother. He came running, his tears running down his eyes. He says, Fergus, none of us have ever forgotten the love you gave us. The unconditional love you gave us, the space you gave us. Yeah. And he was, at the t he was actually the children's church worker wow. in the church that I'd left to go on the, when I went on the road. Wow. Church, to me, loving lost people yeah. is what we've got. We've just, we don't have an option. Yeah. We've received love, we give love. Yeah. 
And I can go on and tell you stories. I, my idea was that I was going to go and put a plan together in my church and, and get start that doing a whole program in my church. But God took me onto the road. But I, I think it's a fair enough message to say that it's a God message for every church on the planet. <laughs>